Please. <laughs> so please stay. What show is this? It's the zip code. It is the zip code. 90210. Did you see the um it wasn't a reboot, which is interesting. It is a classic guitar part. It is. Did you see the one that came out last summer? I wasn't into the first one, let alone oh. the reboot. I was into the first couple seasons of Beverly Hills 90210. A bunch of podcasts ago, yeah. But I, we haven't played this song before. No, have we? No. no. Okay, good. No. And we noted that it really is a classic guitar. It part. is, yes. <laughs> Uh, so this was high school. I think I was a junior when it came out. I remember desperately wanting to grow sideburns mm-hmm. because uh, he, Dylan and Brandon he had some made chops. it look so good. Mm-hmm. So they came out with a um, reunion show this past summer. We watched the first episode, mm-hmm. Kim and I, um, and uh, didn't watch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of had to just to check it out. Yeah, and then uh, realized we didn't need to see anymore. You know, kind of okay. I'm good. That's your nice way of panning it. Check. <laughs> I don't need to watch. It, I don't need to watch episode two. It really stunk. Yeah. Is what you're saying without saying it. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to Joel and Rob's podcast. We haven't recorded in a little bit. We had uh, a little Christmas hiatus, Christmas and New Year's and. Vacations. Um, Joel needed some much. Joel had some much needed time away from me. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so much I can take. It's true. Yeah. And vice versa. You were gone last week, so we didn't get one in last week. Um, so we've skipped ahead a couple chapters. We decided um, <clears throat> we're gonna. This is where we are in the book as a church, but we didn't. We didn't. We missed yeah. a couple chapters, which. 18 and 19. Is okay. So we are on chapter 20 this week. 2-0. Chapter 2-0. 20. Called? Join the Adventure. Join the Adventure. I'm trying to find it. There it is. And so there are three main stories in this chapter that Brian is referencing. So we've moved from the Old Testament and we are in the beginning sections of the New Testament and the Gospels. And Brian's reading from Luke. And we've got four sections. Let's kind of quickly run through those. First, uh, Brian starts with Jesus and the wilderness. Yep. Um, the baptism. Right after his right baptism. Right after the baptism. Yep. Um, he, he says it nicely. The Spirit... Well, Wait, how did he say it? It's, the Holy Spirit led him away from the crowds. But really, it's kind of like the Holy Spirit pushed, kicked, threw him well, I think into in, the wilderness. I right? think in Mark, it's it's a little more of a violent yeah. kind of shove. Like, you absolutely have to go uh, into the wilderness. Um, <clears throat> so, what do you think about that section of Scripture? Jesus' time in the wilderness. Yes. Yep. I really appreciate that whether or not it happened the way Matthew, Mark, and Luke say it did, mm-hmm. I do really appreciate uh, the, the acknowledgement that even 
Jesus himself um, had time in the wilderness, had time of temptation, yeah. had time of struggle, had to face the vulnerabilities of his own human limits, mm-hmm. his hunger, mm-hmm. his insecurities, his um, coming to terms with who he is and mm-hmm. whose he is, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Um and you would enter into the wilderness kind of one way with maybe one idea, and then you come out of the wilderness, usually through that experience, with some kind of new understanding or yeah. some evolved perspective. Yeah, yep. Um, so there's the potential in the wilderness to, for there to be some kind of transforming experience. Yeah, yeah. some transformation to happen within you. Yeah, I think I've, I've always been. A, these are the scriptures that we usually read right around Lent. Yep, Lent is the is the wilderness journey, and so I've always read them with somewhat trepidation and not fear, mm-hmm. but but uh, mm-hmm. don't want to go into the wilderness. It's who the hell wants to do that? You're out of you're you're not in control, and and while that is true. Uh, at the same time, um, as I've come to slowly kind of embrace solitude and the need to be alone, there's something actually um, that pulls me to these wilderness stories, too, because mm. um, there's something um, uh, there's something powerful that can happen in them. You're going to say something. I'm just trying to think of how to say it. It's uh, <laughs> you much better than I, and I don't mean this self-effacingly. I mean this kind of complimentary. You much better than I have an appreciation for that. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, one I admire. Like I, I am still in my own. Like um, my dad has a saying. <laughs> I'm not as bad as he is, but his saying is, "I get enough alone time in the shower," <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. Uh, like he's just extremely extroverted, yeah. and I'm definitely extroverted. Yeah. So that's. But I, but I have come to to also understand through through some specific experiences that I've had, whether on retreat or something else. Like there is something that. You can only get in solitude yep. between you and your God. And you do a much better job than I do seeking that out. Mm. Part of it is because I am introverted, so I, I <coughs> desire it. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I, I've i done it enough that I know the, the, the fruit that comes from it, the, the positive... Um, pieces in my life that come from it. Yeah, and the so, evolutions. Yeah. So yeah. when I think about wilderness I, and solitude, I'm not really thinking about 40 days of silence by no, myself no, somewhere. I get it. Yeah. You know, that that is a whole other level. I'm talking Eight hours, I'm, I'm talking four hours even. I'm talking about just just time by myself that is kind of intentional intentional time spent with God. Like that is something that is desired and yeah. needed. Um, yep. I was just reading um, a book uh, where the author was talking about the need for for solitude and silence. And he had a great comment uh, about, and I think it was Mark's gospel, 
where um, Jesus, we said, is pushed into the wilderness there for 40 days, comes out of the wilderness and just is ready to go. Jumps right into, I can't remember what town he goes to, and just goes full bore, has a full day, healing, teaching, and then leaves and goes right back into solitude. Not into the wilderness, but back into, I need time by myself. And so he uses the same word that is, I think he said this, I need to confirm it, the same Greek word, I think it was eremos, which is used for wilderness, is also used for solitude, I think he said. And so... Um, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I I got it at home. I'll, I'll look it up and I confirm I wonder how this. the interpreters differentiate that, though. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think the point he's making is it's this is solitude is not, oh, look at me. I'm lonely by myself. It's an intentional step. Um, there, there's focus and direction to solitude as opposed to, yes. I don't like being alone. At times... I don't want to be alone, too. Right. I am itching right. to get out and be with people. And you know? there's a big difference, too, between intentionally seeking out solitude and then suddenly just looking up and finding yourself in the wilderness. Yes. Which also certainly happens when when disaster strikes or trauma hits or something hits us in life and the next thing we know, you life are, is not the same. You are in a, wilder, a quote, are in, wilderness season in your life. Yes. And that will happen naturally. Thanks to us all, you know, unfortunately. You, you don't have to go looking for it. It will yeah. it will find you. So the solitude, yeah. is, I like that differentiation you made. The solitude is intentionally sought. Yes. Whereas wilderness. And that's, why, that's kind of why I like Mark's emphasis on the spirit pushing him there. Yes. Yep. I mean, th- that's what I appreciate. It's, it's part of... You know, Jesus' humanity. You can't be human and not experience that. Mm-hmm. The fragility of life. the, the Just the, <clears throat> the struggles of being human and mortal and mm-hmm. finite. Uh, and uh, being pushed into it. So you're pushed into the wilderness. You can intentionally seek the solitude. Yeah. Yep. That's good. Yeah. <clears throat> That's really good. From there, the scripture goes to um, Jesus going back to his hometown and announcing his ministry by going to the synagogue on the Sabbath and standing up and reading, opening the scroll. And um, I love the section where it says, hey, who's this guy? (laughs) Isn't this Joseph's son? Hey, Billy. You know? Get a load of this. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) <laughs> this is the guy that the kid that was growing up next door to me, guy. and now he's proclaiming these crazy yeah. things. Um, As a quick aside, I think Brian does a great job of just in like four sentences giving this great exegesis of how this is actually what's very normal in the synagogue, right? There's yeah. a time in the service yeah. when people could go up and do this. Yep. You know, it just uh, it's yes, great exegesis. It is that would take me about 10 minutes to say he says it in four sentences. Exegesis is a it's a good seminary word right there. Oh, what a, yeah, oh my gosh. It comes out of me so normally, but it's such a horrible word, isn't it? Well, exegesis. What is that word? How would you define it? Uh, explaining the historical and cultural contexts mm-hmm. 
of Scripture. Mm-hmm. How's that? It's good. Yep. So the historical and cultural context of Jesus in the synagogue is, you know, Jesus didn't just walk in and say, hey, everybody listen to me. There's actually a part of Sabbath time in the synagogue when this sort of thing would happen. Mm-hmm. It wasn't abnormal for somebody sitting in a pew to go up and say, I'm going to read this part of the scroll. Yep. So Jesus gets up, opens the scroll from Isaiah, reads, um, Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Preach it, Jesus. Just a gigantic (laughs) scripture. And then sits down and says... The scripture is fulfilled today. Yeah. Just present tense. Yes. It is happening in the ministry that I am beginning, which causes his hometown that he grew up in to want to run him off a cliff. Literally try and kill him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And then that leads. Can you get what he said? Let's get rid of this guy. And then that leads to... um, (laughs) I like... I like your kind of first century Nazareth kind of... Here's how they would talk to each other. Hey, Billy. Uh, And that leads to um, the next chapter, um, which is Jesus calling his disciples. Yeah. Um, And they drop their nets and follow him. And, and there, too, Brian does a good job explaining what yeah. it means to be a disciple. Yep. Yes. So we've got a lot to get to in a few short moments. Well, let's get to going. So let's get to Brian's chapter. So um, so what spoke to you in this chapter, Joel? Oh, you're going to ask me first, huh? Um, well, I, I bring this up, and he he doesn't around the bush, but says with this tempting story of Jesus in the wilderness, um, he said, uh, some people believe that there's an actual devil that is tempting him. And some um, see this as ancient storytellers who use the idea of a devil to kind of personify the dark, evil Uh, part of the human nature. Um, So mentions both of those, but then kind of names that, all right, each of those can have something to say um, and can speak to us. Doesn't kind of... He doesn't say where he goes. He doesn't say where he... And he doesn't kind of throw out either one, which I think is very helpful. Do you have a perspective on that? Um, I would lean towards... Yeah, I would lean towards the latter. I don't um, lean. I'm like fully <laughs> encamped there. I do not believe in a literal. Yeah, so do I. In a literal, you know, personification of of evil spirit. You know, just as there's, you know, I yes. do believe in a literal God of salvation. Yep. I do not believe in a literal literal devil of evil. Yep. That does not mean, however, that we don't see elements of darkness and violence at work in the world. We certainly do. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe that it is personified, you know. In a single it, in individual. A single entity who then goes out and seeks to 
spread it. I agree. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So from there, um, he talks about what would it be like if a uh, a prophet arose today, and he mentions yeah, I loved that. Sri Lanka or Panama or Sierra Leone, um, and in in an interview with BBC or uh, Al Jazeera. Um, kind of states what Jesus oh, stated. Oh, that, that was just remarkable. So, if, and if you're only going to read a few pages, read that page, folks. Mm-hmm. That's it's well such and, a power. And it was interesting because um, I'm watching right now, page ninety three on Netflix, the show called Messiah, which is hmm. not bad, and it's about this Messiah figure that comes out of Syria, um, but is. So it comes out of the Muslim tradition, but definitely is is also connected to Christians, is kind of for all people. Mm-hmm. Seems like he may have some kind of supernatural powers, um, but is his message is definitely for um, uh, world peace, um, advocating for kind of superpowers to withdraw... Kind of he gets to, to cut or? down the military industrial complex. Made me think of the show I'm watching. We haven't finished yet. It's not bad. It's not bad. But just how crazy the world gets as he with this power that he has. Oh, okay. Um, not a kind so he of, has messianic power. Well, I'm not talking. I'm talking the power of his voice. Oh, okay. That's it. Um, People are following him. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and. And just how kind of anxious and nervous and scared the powers that be become. Powers that be are becoming. Well, yeah, that totally mirrors the gospel. Yes, entirely. Yeah. Power seeks to retain power, and the truth is, this happens in the real world. I mean, we have prophets today who call for peace and nonviolence. I mean, they're and they're not messiahs. I mean, these aren't. Perfect people. Martin Luther King Jr. was not a perfect man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But, I mean, let's be frank. It was l- largely Christians who stood opposed to civil rights. I mean, it was Christians who were fighting for them, but it was also Christians who were fighting against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in many ways, they were using Scripture as a weapon to do it. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it's it's Christians, uh, and he says it very well when he talks about the difference between disciples and Christians, right? Yep. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christian, and probably a lot of people who would call themselves a disciple, too. But yet, when you look at what you advocate for and strive for, compared to what Jesus Christ advocated for and strove for mm-hmm. in his daily walk... You know, how a disciple seeks to walk in the footsteps of her or his mentee. Which makes the scroll that he reads from in chapter 4, it always challenges me immensely. Um, 
I've heard it say that that's that is arguably Jesus's mission statement. Yeah. If you're going to give him a mission statement, mm-hmm. that's it. Which means, as disciples, we are adopting that ourselves. Yep. We are following in his footsteps. And yep. when we choose to invest in, let's just let me be really blunt here. If we choose to invest in weapons that kill instead of care and compassion that saves, I mean, mm-hmm. we have. We have to own the contradiction at the very least that between discipleship and our actions that at least condone violence. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, which is why it's... um, It's so hard, I think, for um, for Christianity and a nation to intertwine, mm-hmm. and which is what we have done here mm-hmm. throughout our history. Um, uh, but they are at times going to be fundamentally opposed to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so to say, yeah. to say that we are <clears throat> a Christian nation will, is going to have its challenges because to do that, um, uh, we're going to have to at times throw out something like the Sermon on the Mount and not, and not really read it at all because that specifically speaks to how we treat our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, and... <clears throat> um, well, and the, they're different. It's competing pri- priorities. Yes. And I think that's what we have to own. Yes. Uh, as Christians. Not so much as a nation, because there's Jewish Americans, there's atheist Americans, there's Muslim, Hindu. I mean, I think it's hard to say we're a Christian nation. I agree. Um, and I think I think Christians should be careful, because Christian priorities are not our national priorities, mm-hmm. and we shouldn't pretend that they are. Mm-hmm. National priorities are security, um, economy, you know, things like things of that nature. Christian priorities. I mean, say what you. I mean, we can all disagree on on some of the nuances of theology, but I think it's hard to follow Jesus and say mm, this thing called discipleship is about our own security. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, I mean, if if discipleship is about anything, it's about Mm self-giving. It's about sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It's about the common good. So, yeah, there's not not a common priority there. No. And you get into a lot of gray area. And that's part of... Trying to blend them together. Right. And that's part of also why I think... So many folks who call themselves Christian would be some of the first to, you know, when he has that paragraph on page 93 about the Al Jazeera or BBC or Sri Lanka interview or whatever, uh, it's time to dismantle the military industrial complex and reconcile with enemies. It's time for CEOs to slash the mammoth salaries and give generous raises to all their lowest paid employees. I mean, I, th- I think what McLaren is saying there is spot on when it comes to, um, you know, Christian priorities. And yet he's absolutely right. People who would advocate that would be laughed at and scorned mm-hmm. and mocked. 
if they were doing it not from a Christian perspective, but from a business perspective or a militaristic perspective or or anything else. Mm -hmm. The last page, he talks about discipleship and just how challenging it should be. He says, I like the um, third paragraph, last sentence, one did not say yes to discipleship lightly. Mm. Um, uh, and and how when I when I try and take discipleship very seriously, I realize, my gosh, just how far I am from wanting to be uh, wanting to be in a certain place. Mm. Um, it's I'm always striving for something that seems to take it really serious. <laughs> Seems so hard. I love this paragraph. He says, Become a disciple of a rabbi meant entering a rigorous program of transformation, learning a new way of life, new set of values, new set of skills. It meant leaving behind the comforts of home and facing a new set of dangers on the road. Once they were thoroughly apprenticed as disciples, they would then be sent out as apostles to spread the rabbi's controversial and challenging message everywhere. One did not say yes to discipleship lightly. Mm. Um, and so when I think about that and then think about Jesus' mission statement in Luke chapter 4, proclaim the good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, set the oppressed free. <clears throat> Being a disciple is no joke. Amen. <laughs> and if and if we and if we're being honest, we have to we have to own the truth that we're never we're never really there. No. No. We're never there. We There's never always arrive. more we can be doing. There's more we can be studying. There's more we could be giving. There's more we could be um, challenging um, both within ourselves and around ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know? So Yep. Yeah. Well said. You too. You can find us at Towson Press on social media. After a nice little (laughs) (laughs) silence. TowsonPress.org and then on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10 o'clock. Our handle on Facebook and Instagram are at Towson Press. I just said that. Oh, sorry. My bad. Yeah. Missed that. I must have not been paying attention. You weren't listening. Yeah. Until next time. I'm Robbie's Droll. <laughs>